What I'd like for us to do is review calcium from the electrolytes last semester because we've got about 20 minutes left. Yes, last semester's notes for the moment. Just calcium. Where do we get calcium from? No. <laughs> we get it from our diet. Okay. <laughs> we're going to get it in our diet and we're going to absorb it in the intestines and in order to in, in order to absorb it we will need a vitamin vitamin D so whew, that was tough now as it comes into the blood it will be under the control of two hormones what are those two hormones calcitonin and parathyroid hormone now where is calcitonin released from From thyroid gland. Now, what does calcitonin do to calcium? Decreases it where? In the blood. Now, if you have high calcium levels in the blood and you decrease it, where can you push it to? You can push it into bones. Where else can you push it? Into your kidneys and out to the urine. And you can also stop absorbing it as much. All right, now, what does hypoparathyroid hormone do? Calcitonin lowers the level in the blood, so or parathyroidism will no, increase the calcium level. So where are we going to get that calcium from? Bones intestine and we're going to ask the kidney to stop excreting it in the urine that makes sense okay so you do you need to know that so calcitonin makes it go down where does it where does it put it bone urine and tells your intestines stop stop absorbing hypoparathyroidism raises the level in your blood by taking it back from the bones telling your intestines to start absorbing it more and telling your kidneys to stop excreting it. Okay. Now, where is most of the calcium in our bodies? In your bones and teeth too, but primarily in the bones. So about 99% of it, more than 99% of it, is combined with phosphate in your bones to make bones strong. Now, in your, in your blood... Calcium levels are usually what level? Is it 9 to 11? Is that our new numbers? Okay. Yeah. See, when I was a kid, I had to learn 8.5 to 10.5. That's what our textbook That's what your textbook says. It depends which textbook you're talking about. So, 9 to 11-ish, or 8.5 to 10.5. Now, what's normal phosphate levels? Much lower. How much again? 2.8 to 4.5. Now, you'll always see the two levels go opposite each other. Why is that? Because yeah, if they're both high, you're going to start getting calcium phosphate in the blood. And that's no fun for anyone. Because, you know, undissolvable calcium phosphate floating in the blood would cause a stroke. 
So they're always going to be different. Otherwise. All right, now, your body doesn't think of your bones as, we need to keep these bones strong because we don't want to break our hips. They, your body do, never has that thought. What your body thinks is bones. That's a good place to store calcium. And that's a good place to get calcium from. So your body doesn't really care about calcium level in bones. Whether a person's bones are strong or weak is really a matter of do they have enough in their diet, do they have enough in their blood under the control of what two hormones? Calcitonin and parathyroid hormone. Now, in the blood, we have two different types of calcium. Well, actually, we have three levels we can check, but two, two different kinds. What do you think they are? What? Nothing. We have two different kinds of calcium in our blood. What do you think they are? Ionized and bound. Bound. Or sometimes called sequestered. Now, ionized calcium is biologically active. It's the only calcium that actually counts. The rest of it is bound to albumin in your blood or phosphate in teeth and then calcified deposits in various places. When you take a blood sample and you measure calcium, what kind of calcium are you t measuring? Um, Who says bound? Who says ionized? You're both right. It's total calcium. So when you take blood and you get a calcium level, you're measuring both of them together. So it's cheaper to do a total calcium than it is to measure an ionized. So most of the time, you're not going to see an ionized calcium. As long as the regular calcium level is normal, you just go with that. If it's low, sometimes they'll also do an ionized calcium. There you have it. Why do they pull ionized calcium after a cabbage? Because oh, so the question was, why do they pull an ionized calcium after a cabbage? And the reason for that is they want to make sure that heart patients are very susceptible to low calcium levels, and they want to make sure that they've got the right amount of ionized calcium. All right. So some things that calcium does, in addition to uh, making bones strong, is it's necessary for the transmission of nerve impulses. It's necessary for myocardial contraction, so your heart can't beat without it. It's necessary for blood clotting. It's necessary for the formation of bone and teeth, and it's also necessary for the rest of your muscle contractions, whether we're talking about this kind of muscle, or we're talking about bronchial muscle, or we're talking about bladder muscles, or we're talking about GI muscles. Basically, every muscle in your body needs calcium. What kind? Ionized calcium. Okay. So what does our body use as the calcium bank? Bones. And it's going to use what two hormones to tell it whether to deposit or withdraw? Okay. I think we are ready for uh, next week almost. So hypercalcemia, too much. The major cause of hypercalcemia is hyperparathyroidism, which is usually a malignancy. So 
you've got a, a tumor that's come, or that's come up from the, high, from the parathyroid gland and is causing excess parathyroid hormone. You can also get it from vitamin D overdose, which is really not that common. And in patients who have prolonged immobilization, their, kit, their bones will begin to be destroyed because they're not using them. We talk about weight-bearing exercise. We don't mean doing, <sighs> that's not weight-bearing. What we mean by weight-bearing is having weight on your bones. So we're talking about walking, running, jumping. Yeah, you can get hypercalcemia's pace possibly from this. Um, so, those are the causes of hypercalcemia. What's the most common cause of hypercalcemia? Parathyroidism, hyperparathyroidism. Um, what are the manifestations? Oh, those. Decreased memory, confusion. I think some of you have hypercalcemia. <laughs> Disorientation, yeah. that's definitely <laughs> fatigue. All right, who's constipated? <laughs> All right, so to treat it, um, to treat it, we're going to use loop diuretics, and uh, we can also give them isotonic um, saline. You can also use synthetic calcitonin, and if the reason is that they're immobile, Mobilize them. Now, for hypocalcemia, um, the most common, well, some of the causes, decreased parathyroid hormone, acute pancreatitis, uh, multiple blood transfusions. Why multiple blood transfusions? Let's see if you remember from last year. Oh, no, the citrate binds to the calcium. Well, you said calcium citrate. Yeah, but the calcium citrate doesn't bind to calcium because it's already bound. Okay. Citrate by itself binds to calcium. So why do we use citrate in blood products? Yeah. It's an anticoagulant. So citrate is used to keep them from clotting in the bag. And when we inject it into a patient in enough times, when patients get four and five units of blood or more, that citrate over time can bind to the calcium and prevent it from being used. Um, alkalosis in patients who have alkalotic conditions that can cause it and decreased intake. Now, hypocalcemia is not as common, but we have so many patients who have hypocalcemia, even though it's not very common in the general population, they all come to the hospital. Yes. I think because it causes decreased absorption in the gut. Um, now, why is, why is low calcium such a problem? Okay. It's heart is the reason. Your heart needs the calcium in order to contract. Now, all the other muscles in your body, except maybe the arterial muscles, if they don't contract for a few seconds or minutes, no big deal. But your heart stops for a few minutes, well, you know, it was nice knowing you. So that's why low calcium is so important. So manifestations, weakness, and tetany. What's tetany? Muscle spasms. 
Um, positive trousseau. What's trousseau's sign? That's when the, the hand turns into like praying mantis. When you pump up a blood pressure cuff. And Chvostek sign is where you go, What is laryngeal strider? And then dysphagia, they can't swallow properly. And uh, tingling around the mouth and extremities. Now, before we go, because we're done now, uh, oh, to treat it, we're going to give, we're going to give calcium. All right, now, before we go, I want to tell you something that the, I told the seniors. You need to think like a detective. So here's an example. Um, one of the patients that they had, the student says, well, this person came in. Patient had, a, <clears throat> patient had a GI bleed. They went to surgery for ulcers, and they corrected three ulcers. When the patient came in, they had rectal bleeding and hematuria. They had had a stroke. They had a G-tube. And, or PEG, and they also were on warfarin. Now, tell me, what two things should you think about from that patient presentation? What two things? What two things should you automatically think? Warfarin. The patient was on warfarin, and do you think that level was high or low based on their presentation? Why do you say high? Because he was bleeding from? Everything. Now, if it was just the rectal bleeding, that could be explained from the ulcers. But because it was also urinary bleeding, he didn't have urinary ulcers. So it must have been the INR was high. Now, out of a class of 40 seniors, guess how many people had that thought? One. One. And then she said, okay, I didn't really. Now, what's the other thing you should think? Why did that patient have a peg? Okay, because they can't swallow. And why can't they swallow? Because the patient had a history of stroke. And none of them put that together either. So you, when you, ever you encounter your patients, you have to start thinking like a detective. You can't just take all of these history things that, like they're, all under, they're unrelated. They all relate to each other. So if you can learn that now, as opposed to when you're a senior, you have a much easier time in the rest of nursing school. Why a what? Oh, they had an NG tube. The reason for that is with the ulcer, if you suction the, um, the acid out of the stomach, it's less likely to re-injure the ulcer.